I guess we should do this thing, huh? Fuck yeah, let's do this. All right. guys and welcome to another episode of tip to tip with lou and chris i as usual am lou and typically i'm chris that's chris over there he brought the mustache again <laughs> <laughs> you know i do expect a mustache ride later uh, we'll put that, we're gonna put that mustache to use <laughs> you could expect one in a few weeks god damn that's right you're gonna be here soon dude Pretty it's soon. it's coming Chris and his wife are coming to visit me and my wife out in sunny California here in the end of September. So we're going to try to record an episode on Natural. See how that goes. I want to stare into your eyes. Just unbreakable eye contact. (laughs) That'll make for a weird show. (laughs) I'm in. That'll be when I talk about my job as a porno actor. <laughs> That'd be amazing if I just had one of those. I could slide in the middle of these episodes. Be very weird that you didn't. You'd be tell like, me wait, about what? <laughs> you never told me about that. So anyway, uh, today we are going to be talking about my. I guess this would be my twelfth job. Although, so this episode's interesting. It's sort of a. I don't know if you call it like a side chapter, but uh, we're going to be talking about the first time I did extra work on a movie slash whatever it is which in a minute that'll make that comment will make sense but i i've never really thought of the times i did extra work as jobs because a i always viewed it as like something sort of a step towards something bigger that i maybe would consider a career as opposed to a job and we're not talking this this show's not about my many careers this right. show's about my jobs and that's why there's a pp meter or pp scale at the end <laughs> Um, but yeah, even though I don't really think of my extra jobs or any acting jobs, I guess, although I've only been paid for the extra jobs, I never really thought of them as jobs. I did fill out a tax form and I was given a paycheck and I was paid sort of in a similar fashion. So, I mean, if I had a, a, I guess if I had a job where I was like, yeah, and then I was a co-starring in a movie, I'd be like not talking about that on this show. So I guess I am thinking, you know, extra work is not acting. I mean, I guess it is, but we'll talk about that in a minute more. But it's not acting to a degree where it takes any skill or talent or effort or it's just it's very it's like the day job of acting, which is why I feel like it sort of belongs on this list. And I have a couple of uh, experiences doing extra work, but we're going to kind of separate them out in the order that I did them in. So instead of talking about all three right now, because I feel like if I told you about all the, I think I did it three different times. If I told you about those times all in one episode, I'd be talking about like what was going on in my life behind the scenes and it would fuck up the flow of this show. So we're just going to kind of stick to chronological. And yeah, so that's what we're doing today. We're talking about the time I did. uh, I was an extra on seduced by madness. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm excited for this because we haven't talked a whole lot of about this uh, off camera. 
or yeah, off mic, no, I should say. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah. Well, we're on camera. <laughs> They're just not seeing it. <laughs> Let's go ahead and just do our occupational breakdown. Break it down! <laughs> that, that'll work. <laughs> um, so, the job name, as I said, is Seduced by Madness. That's the name of the movie that, that I was an extra in. Uh, the position held was an extra. I was a the guy in the background. And my wage earned, I don't really remember what I made, but the way that extra work paid back then, I don't know if it's still like this because it's been a while, it paid by the day, not by hourly or anything like that. So, you know, you made like 50 to $60 a day at the time, um, which if you divided it by eight, probably came out to about minimum wage for that time period. It was something like that. And I was employed for two days. I did two days on Seduced by Madness. And when we talk about it, I'll explain, because I don't really remember how many days I did. I'm pretty sure it was two days, and uh, it'll all make sense in a moment. And let me ask you, too, um, yeah. if I watch Seduced by Madness, can I see you in it? Well, yes. And... I will be providing on our website a screenshot, a screen cap of one of the scenes that you can see me in. Here's the problem. <laughs> the version that I found is off of YouTube, and it's maybe the lowest def video I've seen in my life. So it could easily be Tom Cruise and not me in this picture. <laughs> Some people are going to be like, that's my favorite movie. Lou's not in it. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody is going to say that. This is uh, one of the, the few times I will say nobody's favorite movie is Seduced by Madness. Uh, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't, you can see me, um, especially if you're watching it in the highest def it's available, which I doubt it's even available in like 1080p. I don't know if you can even get it. You know what? We'll talk about that in a minute. That was your occupational breakdown. Break it down. Break it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's never going to get old, I think. Um, it will for the audience, probably. Oh, my God. Not us. And let's be honest, that's what's important. Mm -hmm. So uh, before we talk about the actual movie and experience of being on a set and everything, let's talk a little bit about joining the extra agency. Um, now at this point I had really not, I, I didn't know if I wanted to be an actor or anything like that. Um, I think, I can't remember if I mentioned it before, but I had tried out for a play in high school, one play. I tried out for it because my ride home was trying out for it. And so I was going to just have to sit out in the like foyer area of the high school and wait for him to try out and then drive us home so I decided fuck it I'm gonna try out and it was really mainly a goof I had no interest in doing theater I love movies I love TV I always have but I never really thought of myself doing acting in any kind of serious way so this is probably my sophomore year I tried out for this play uh, I got a call back I was like that's funny so then the next day I came back and was testing like with various females reading the main role the the play was called a bad year for tomatoes i believe is what it was called <laughs> it's not something i'd ever heard of it's not something i've ever heard of since i don't know if it's a a well-known piece of literature i don't know if it's like hacky i have no idea if it's good or bad i've never even looked into it i just remember that's what it was called and i remember thinking 
do I even do I want to get this? <clears throat> do I want to get this part? Like, I'm now along for the ride. I guess I'm just going to keep doing it because it's kind of funny to be, you know, saying these lines with these various girls. And it sort of felt good that I, I seemed like, oh, I must be doing good. He keeps having me do it more. And then I think I came back three different times. And eventually it was like between it was I got the impression it was me as the lead. And then it was like between a couple of different girls as the female lead because I didn't see him trying out other guys. So the, it, we went through the process. I got cast in that part. So the, the lead in this play, the first time I ever auditioned for anything in my life, I got it. This story is not going to make me look good, by the way. Just <laughs> let you know right, right here off the bat. Within a day or two of finding out I got the lead in this play, I realized I had no interest in doing the play. I don't know why the fuck I tried out for it other than what I already said. It was like kind of an, an, a goof and an interesting experience. But as soon as it set in that I was going to have to like learn these lines and show up after school every day for weeks and like the whole thing, I'm like, I have no interest in you know i was playing music and skating and playing video games and trying to get my dick sucked and <laughs> i had lots of hobbies in addition to school which i really put zero effort into it so i i don't think i even need to mention that but you know it was a commitment to go there every day yeah yeah i just really didn't want to commit that kind of time to something i wasn't even sure i was interested i knew for sure i wasn't interested in a bad year for tomatoes if it was like a part in a TV show or something like that, maybe I would be like, well, that might be worth the time sink. Now, obviously, had I done this play and then 40 plays after it all through high school and then gone to college for theater and then out of college, gone straight into auditioning, I probably would be a working actor of some, of some caliber now. So, yeah, looking back would have probably been a good idea to do the play but my whole life would be different and it's what it, whatever it is what it is <laughs> but I do look back on that moment where I decided to not do the play and kind of say like oh that was not that was one of those decisions I've made in my life that probably was the wrong decision <laughs> do you regret it again if I I don't play the regret game because I like a lot about my life and yeah. I, you know not the least of which is my relationship. And I feel like any diversion, any difference dramatically that I would have made in a choice would have led me a different direction than I wouldn't have met my wife. And the idea of me not being with her seems ridiculous to me. Like, I, uh, that's my favorite thing. She's my favorite human being. So, no, I don't regret it. But if you if you said, hey, would you go back and do a different thing if, if it would also include meeting your wife and marrying her and then that would be the only thing that kind of kept i would yeah i probably would go back and i I would like to see what would have happened um now what if you took the role you were in the play okay do you follow <laughs> i'm with you so far and then tammy was in the audience Ooh. And then it, she was like, this guy's a terrible actor. I don't, I don't want to be with him. It just so happens that she loves a bad day for tomatoes. A, a, bad, a bad year for tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> you got really close, though. Um, what the fuck? I don't know. I've really, I, I should have looked into it by now. I should have seen if there's a version of it that's been done where I could watch it. I really, nothing about it sounded interesting to me. And yeah. again, it, it was sort of a perfect storm of, 
if it had been something I was at least interested in, if it had been something I'd heard of or there was recognition or it, it just, I, I looked at the script and I was like, what is this? <laughs> but I'm not going to lie. 99% of me not doing it was me just not wanting to commit that much time and effort into something that I didn't have that much interest in doing. And here's the part that really makes me not look good because I didn't know how to get out of it. And you know, I'm 15. I'm a 15 year old little fucking idiot. And I'm not, I'm not a good enough person or I didn't have the strongest uh, sense of self at the time to say, you know, even though it's uncomfortable, this guy liked me, thought I was a good actor, gave me a chance. And he deserves to at least have me tell him that I don't want to do it. Instead, I just never showed up for the first try or the first uh, rehearsals. And within like a couple of days, the second, his second choice was cast as, as the lead. And I had heard, I heard through the grapevine that the girl that was cast as the lead in the play was relieved when I didn't show up because there was a kissing scene and she was like dreading having to kiss me. Which, oh, that's awful. Yeah, I you know what? It didn't make me feel bad. She was like kind of a like a a nerdy like she was a I don't know, band camp kind of kid and I was like this kind of grungy punk rocker guitar playing like weirdo skateboarder. And yeah, it made sense. It was like if the cheerleader didn't want to date the burnout you know, like if the cheerleader was cast as the lead and then the burnout was cast as her romantic lead and she's like, oh my God, I have to kiss this fucking scumbag. It was more that than like I'm ugly or anything to that. At least that is how my memory is playing it. Uh, maybe just to save my ego. The other thing that's kind of funny about it is uh, my two best friends at the time also tried out for this play and neither one of them got cast in a speaking role. They both got cast as like chorus or background players and people building sets that kind of thing so it sort of made it even like sting worse that I, I got the lead and I was like I don't want to fucking do this <laughs> so I never told him now there's a, there's a, a kind of uh, epilogue to this story a year later I decided to take acting as an elective so uh, junior year of high school I decided to take acting as an elective and fucking shocker my teacher was the guy that was casting this play. He was like the head of the theater department. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I really didn't think this choice through at all. Sitting there in the class waiting for him to like start calling roll. Right. And I'm like, he's going to see me because I I hadn't talked to this guy since that time that I tried out for his play and he gave me the lead and I never showed up. Did you bail? No, I, I fucking sat there in class, waited. I was honestly, I was like, okay, this is my moment to take the lumps I deserve because he's either going to call me out or just treat me like shit the whole year or make me earn him not being an asshole to me. And I 100% deserve it. I say what you will about me and my bad choices. I've always been pretty self-aware and I knew that I had done something shitty and irresponsible. And so in that moment, I was like, okay, well, at least the universe is sort of evening itself out here. He's going to make me look stupid or feel shitty. Um, what he did is even fucking better and made me like him like so much more. And I'll tell you what. So he <laughs> called roll. Nothing was said. He, he didn't, he acted like he didn't even know me. I was like, oh, maybe he doesn't recognize me. He fucking knew you. <laughs> oh, he knew me. But I was like, for a second, I was like, oh, maybe he doesn't recognize me. And so during like the first day or two of class, at some point, conversation turned to like, if you, um, like integrity and that kind of thing. 
And I was like, oh, here we go. And then he's like, you know, a really good example of this is is Lou here. Now, last year I cast Lou as in as the lead in my play. And I was like, oh, fuck. He, it's like a sneak attack. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, he got me all comfortable. Like, he didn't recognize me. And now he's going to fucking let me have it in front of all these people, some of which I liked. So I was like, fuck, this is, he's really going to give it to me. This is, <laughs> I, in that moment, when everybody turned and looked at me, I was like, this is the moment where I get what I deserve. It was like a firing squad almost. And then he so, he fucking does this. He's like, now, when Lou decided not to do the play, he came to me like a man and he explained his situation. And, you know, we talked it out and it was better for everybody involved that he just bow out and everything was taken care of and it was perfect. Had he not come to me like that, it would have been, you know, a real issue. But because he was a, a stand-up guy, you know, he gave me this whole speech to the fucking class about what a stand-up guy was. And I was like, okay, one of two things. Either this guy's a fucking moron and delusional and he's living in the matrix right and he thinks this happened somehow he sold himself this lie so he could like look himself in the eye at night or something or he's a fucking ninja because (laughs) he like i we're gonna play the game where he's the ninja and i'm gonna be honest as i got to know him better he probably wasn't a ninja there's a chance he was delusional but let's just say he's a ninja he, without making me look like an asshole, made me feel so much shittier <laughs> doing what he did. Because at no point could I be mad at him, you know, like for, for calling me out in front of it. Like he completely saved my, my, I don't know, reputation is the right word. But yeah, he like made me look way better than I was. And then only me and him knew what a real piece of shit I was. <laughs> so it what was brilliant. Hap- what happened? The rest of the class was fine. I did a bunch of fucking scenes with people. He was never shitty to me. We, I, I'm pretty sure I got a B or, or you know in that vicinity in the class. Like, I mean, it was it was an elective. It was not a hard class. It was f- kind of fun. I enjoyed aspects of it. I really, I realized I'm not a fan of live theater. Pretty quickly, um, I, it's weird. This is kind of also interesting, and I think to you it will be as well. As a musician, I've been on stage, you know, a bunch of times. I played in front of people. There's a real charge you get out of like being in the moment, and anything can happen. And I've had some fucking ridiculous onstage antics. I've had my fucking voice crack real bad in the middle of a vocal thing. I've had the band drop out, and like all three of us just looked at each other, like, "Wait, where are we in the song?" <laughs> like this moment of dead air, we're all like, "When are we gonna start?" Like that kind of thing. I've had. I played a show once, I showed up and I realized I forgot my fucking guitar strap at home. And so, and my guitar had strap locks on it, which meant I couldn't just grab somebody else's strap because it had, essentially I took the things that the strap plugs into off and can, you know, there was no, I basically had a strap on the guitar and it was like not holding it up. I I couldn't move while I played. I had to play the whole show holding the guitar against my body with the palm of my hand while strumming. I've had some fucked up silliness happen while playing live, but I always fucking enjoy it. It's it's awesome. There's nothing like it. It's really cool. For some reason, I don't get that same feeling from um, from theater, like acting. When I when I'm doing any kind of acting thing, I prefer there to be a camera where we can do different takes. We can try a different way. Nothing's permanent until we decide we got it. You know, it's sort of like. <sighs> 
I guess maybe it's the same reason I don't really like live albums. I mean, there's some live albums that are okay, but like I'd prefer to just listen to the album or see the band play live. But hearing them recorded playing live, it's like maybe I'll listen to it once and then that's kind of the end of it. You know, the only exception to that is probably that Rush album that Dan made us listen to for the podcast that turned you know turned out to be awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I, I for some reason there's a disconnect for me with live theater. I don't really have any kind of interest in watching it. I definitely don't enjoy doing it uh, to the capacity that I have done it. I've never been like in a play in front of a full house of people doing uh, material I love. I've never had that experience, and maybe with that experience, my feelings would change, but. In this moment, yeah, like when I think of acting, the ideal situation is, let's give it a shot, see what happens, let's try this, let's, you know, like, oh, we fucked that up, let's start again. You know, just, and also, I watch film and TV all the time, and I get a lot out of it. Plays, I the plays I've seen, and I've, again, I've never seen shit on Broadway, but I've seen some plays live, and it just doesn't do anything for me, really. Now, when you say live theater, does that include improv? No, no, it doesn't. Um, I've seen some improv that's fun and, and interesting, entertaining, and then I've seen just as much that was cringy and awkward and uncomfortable. And unfortunately, I sort of associate improv with like PG sense of hu- senses of humor, like things they think are funny to me, like would be way funnier if they were a little more uh, edgy. You know what I mean? Like sucking so, dicks. Well, it doesn't have to be sexual. It doesn't have to be even profanity, but it can it can go anywhere. You know, that's what's interesting to me. If I know it can't go anywhere because there's kids in the audience and the people on stage are like, you know, I don't know, fucking a, a Christian improv group or something, <laughs> you know, I just I've seen some improv where I'm like, oh, this is so it's like watching amateur pro wrestling, you know, like just oh, probably not, worse than that. Probably yeah. just watching a sinking ship. Yeah, I just and I've had I've had moments where I was watching improv and didn't laugh a single time. I've had moments where they're you know trying to get audience participation and I just want to like hide in the closet because the people around me are just making me uncomfortable with their like pencil <laughs> caterpillar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are you? Okay, just it's like Mad Libs. You know what? Have you done Mad Libs? Yeah. Yeah. You're you're shrugging. Yes, but the audience can't hear you. No, they can't. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Mad Libs with limits, like playing Mad Libs. Imagine you're playing Mad Libs with your girlfriend or wife or whatever, but you're acting like your wife is seven, so you can't make certain references, and nothing can be too interesting or edgy or mature or even particularly intelligent. It's all, like, super broad, and that's how improv sort of feels to me a lot of times. But I haven't seen enough of it to know if that's generally how it is or if there's like adult improv where they just fucking let everything go i'm sure that's out there and probably i would enjoy it but back to your original question i don't mind improv necessarily i just it hasn't drawn me in like stand-up comedy i fucking love i love stand-up comedy that has drawn me in but that's a whole different thing that's actually reminds me more of playing music on stage honestly um but yeah anyway back to the whole point of this thing i i didn't really think i was going to be an actor I thought maybe I would give it a shot, which is a terrible way to go into anything that is difficult. 
like, hey, I might give this acting thing a try. Okay, well, you're probably not going to be successful <laughs> in, with that attitude. Because there's people who spend every waking minute of their life trying to do acting and are not successful. Uh, but then there's those assholes who, like, fall into it because they're handsome. And now that they're famous and can do movies they want to do. And it's like, what the fuck, man? You must have been awesome in another life. <laughs> you must have been fucking... That's like Gandhi reincarnated. Uh I'm mean, back to my point. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to be a theater actor, certainly. And at the time that we were in California, um, freshly moved there, I had been working at that calendar place. Uh, the people that I moved with, my girlfriend at the time, her cousin, and well, her cousin, not his fiance. His fiance had no interest at all in acting, and she was just kind of there to support him. But my girlfriend at the time and her cousin both were planning on trying to get their feet wet and see what was going on with acting and I was like well I'm along for the ride I'll just kind of keep being along for the ride which meant when they got hooked up with this extra casting agency and they were going along for their kind of I don't know, call it an interview but it's not really an interview it's sort of like hey we're going to try to explain to you why giving us you know I don't know 80 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever and is is going to make you money in the long run that kind of thing yeah. Um, so we went to this. <laughs> we went to this extra agency. The office was actually across from the Viper Room, which was pretty cool to me. Like just showing up on Sunset Boulevard and like, holy shit, there's the Viper Room. Holy shit! Like River Phoenix died right there on the sidewalk. This is a fucking like pretty, pretty crazy place to just be standing. You know, after being in the suburbs of Chicago as a, a teenager, like, whoa, you can just you can just come here and just stand here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's that stupid. But it was also right next door to, uh, it was right across the street from Tower Video, and the Tower Records is about block uh, east of there. I think actually, weirdly, the building that this casting agency was in is now the corporate office for Tender. <laughs> I've driven by it, and I've seen the, the Tender logo, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I've been in that building, but it wasn't Tender when I was in there. <laughs> But yeah, it was a, we had a meeting with a casting person and she explained to us kind of how it worked. And the way it worked was you pay some money, they take your picture, they, you fill out a sheet with like all your measurements and height, weight, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, uh, special skills. So if you could fucking horseback ride or, you know, you can, I don't know, deep throat a dildo or something, maybe you put it on there cause it might get you a job. Um, they they had posters in the office and they had done, they did extra casting for a bunch of like TV shows at the time. Like shit. I'd never, I didn't watch. For instance, I remember hanging with Mr. Cooper was one that they did casting for. And I was like, Oh, that's not, I don't, I've never seen that show. Uh, yeah. If you want me to go stay in the background, I'll do it. But yeah, they, we took our pictures and we paid them whatever the fee was to get signed up with them. And they give you a phone number. And so you're supposed to basically call this phone number. You can call it whenever you want. And it's bas- it's it's an outgoing message that describes what they're looking for at the moment. So you call the phone number and it just starts breaking down. Like, we're looking for Asian women between the ages of 32 and 42, or more likely can play between the ages of blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, especially if you have combat boots. And then, you know, if if this describes you, call this number and and ask for Sandy or whatever it was. Um, So you'd basically call the number and then if something applied to you, you'd like 
contact them and put your bid in and then they'd look you up and look at your picture and decide if you were right for it and then they'd if you qualified they'd send you out to be an extra on the fucking whatever so that's how it worked this is before the days of cell phones this is before the day it was like a little more irritating to kind of go through the process like calling this from your landline calling this number it was just kind of a pain in the ass i remember that uh Jacqueline, my girlfriend at the time's cousin, did, he was the first one to do some extra work, and he did it on, uh, I think, Sweet Valley High was the show. I don't know if you ever watched it. Yeah, like I've a, heard It's kind of a show for young ladies to enjoy, <laughs> but he did that. He did one or two episodes of that, and then he did, and at the time, I was, he, he wasn't, he didn't have a job. This was like his kind of job was trying to figure this thing out. I, I me and... Jacqueline both had jobs at this point. I was working at the calendar place. She was working at, I think she had two jobs, maybe Suncoast and the body shop, something like that. But, um, and then, uh, her cousin's fiance worked in the mall too, as a manager at like nine West, the shoe store. I think I mentioned that last episode. So he was like kind of doing work and he had the freedom. He also was the only one of us that had a car, which made things tricky. But, I remember, so he got hired to do Seduced by Madness. Now, this is what's kind of funny. It was at the time called Murderous Passion. (laughs) I love that they went from Murderous Passion to Seduced by Madness. (laughs) It's like, could you find any more generic names that are in the same uh, category? Like, they put almost no effort into it, I think. But, you know, he came back. He's like, hey, you know, I did this fucking show today and it was it was easy and it was kind of cool. And I think they're still filming it. You guys should call the line and see if they've got anything that they can get you. And so we did and they booked us uh, for like the next I don't know, it was like the next day or something. Um, So we were doing it at this this high school in the valley called uh, Grant High School, I think it's called. And it's pretty, they film like a ton of shit there. Like a lot of high school scenes have been filmed there. Stuff like Freaks and Geeks and I think Buffy the Vampire Slayer and just like a million things. If you went on Wikipedia and looked up uh, Ulysses S. Grant High School, I think that's what it's called. Uh, One of the parts of the Wikipedia will be like notable things filmed there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's, it's like situated right in the middle of the valley and it's probably got some sort of like deal where they can film there cheaper than other places. And it looks like a generic high school, but you know, the weather's nice cause it's California. So you can film year round. And we were supposed to be filming in like the Midwest, I think like Wisconsin or Michigan or something. And it was supposed to be like winter or, or late fall. So we had to wear like winter clothes and it was fucking hot. <laughs> it was like it was all outdoor. Yeah. Well, everything that I did was outdoor. Um, her cousin Dave he did some indoor stuff and actually he you can see really well in one of the scenes he's in because he's walking right behind the main actors in the through the hallway in the high school while they're talking and he's like right behind them he sort of weaves around them so you can see him real well but yeah the first day see this is okay back when I said I think I did two days it's because I vividly remember one of I remember being there and reading because I didn't have anybody with me to talk to and I was shy didn't want to talk to the other extras so I had like a novel I think I was reading um, like John Grisham or some book shit like that but I remember spending all the free time between setups reading so that must have been the 
the day I was there without Jacqueline because the other day she was with me and we were like hanging out between takes and we were in shots together at one point and this is the when I add the screen cap to the website and I'll send it to you obviously before that so you can see it but um, me and her are actually talking to each other as the camera pans from Anne Margaret do you know who Anne Margaret is? no she's an actress from like she was in fucking Elvis movies I think she dated Elvis even oh wow she's like that era and then she became like pretty well known as like a sex symbol like one of these and then she kept doing work and acting and you know eventually I think she got in a horrible car accident or motorcycle accident or something and had like reconstructive surgery on her face and then came back and it was like a comeback story she was like still acting even after this and by the time she was in this this wasn't a real movie this was a made for TV movie it was never going to be in the movie theater. It was always going to be on like network TV or I think it was on NBC or CBS, one of those, but it might as well have been like a lifetime movie of the week. Yeah. Uh, but she was the star of it and she was playing. It's it's actually based on a real life thing that happened. It was some teacher in, in like I said, Wisconsin or something uh, hired some of her students to kill her husband. And then, nice. of course, it all, it all unravels. Right. So she played the the teacher slash uh, seductress. Seductress, yeah. Yeah, and then the main character, the main guy, well, her husband was played by Peter Coyote, who, if you don't know Anne Margaret, you may not know Peter Coyote, but he's he's a pretty well-known actor from, like, the 80s, 70s, 90s a bit. Um, and then the main character guy, the kid that, that I think kills him, is played by this guy Christian Campbell, who was Nev Campbell's brother. Nev Campbell from Party of Five and, you know, just being generally sexy. Scream. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then Tobey Maguire actually was in this movie in a, in a small part. I, th- I think he played one of the of Anna Margaret's kids in the movie. I never saw him because he wasn't in my school scenes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like, it was interesting. It was pretty big. There was a lot of extras. There was a lot of movement. They set up crane shots and there was you know, people telling us like where to walk and how to walk and when it, you'd like walk across and then turn around and walk back kind of a thing. So there's movement in the background of the scene. <laughs> the other thing that, that was interesting, and this is, this is something that kind of blew my mind because I'd never really thought about it until doing extra work. And now I think people have enough of a view into like how movies are made that most people know this. In fact, I imagine you'll know this, but I didn't know this when I was younger is that the people in the background aren't making any noise. There's no noise on set except for the actors talking to each other. So all the background noise, the talking, the music, everything is all added in later, right? So you're on this set and you're pretending to have a conversation with the actors maybe 10 feet away. Like one of the scenes that I did uh, right after the camera pans past Anne Margaret and then you see me and Jacqueline pretending to talk to each other in the background and then it goes on to Christian Campbell and uh, one of the other male leads talking. And they're like talking about, you know, when's she going to pay us, man? This is after they killed her husband. (laughs) And we could like hear them. We couldn't tell what they were saying because they weren't facing us. They were facing sort of towards the camera. But we could hear they were talking. But it was like dead silent. with like you could hear leaves rustling in the background while they're talking to each other. And me and me and Jacqueline just like pretending to talk like blah, 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 diddly dab, like gesticulating and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think she had a backpack on her shoulder and we're wearing fucking winter clothes. So I'm wearing this really heavy like 
burlap type shirt thing that I was sweating my balls off. Oh my god! And every time, like we'd end the scene between, like just peel that shit off and try to cool down a little bit. Blowing down um, the front of your shirt. Yeah, exactly. Just blowing down the front of my shirt. I didn't start that until <laughs> I got fat, bro. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was how that job worked. Um, it was interesting. I, I remember one of the at the day that I was alone, I got a horrific headache. And for like the last three hours, I was just dying. My head hurt so much. And you, I wasn't to the point where I was comfortable just walking up to a PA and being like, hey, I got to bounce. Like, <laughs> I was just like, suck it up and, and keep filming, you know? Right. The show must go on. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the other thing that was interesting about this, and I think this is actually the more interesting part of the story, although it probably won't be for you or the audience, but for me it was. So when I first moved to California and I started fancying like, oh, maybe I'll look more into acting. This actually seems like something I would be, I would enjoy doing and I could really get into. I was sort of looking for something to be passionate about. Music obviously was there, but I I was like, oh, it might be something that I could like, you know, take classes in and get good at and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, how do you get in movies? Like, what's the process to be from being a nobody to being the guy in front of the camera? And I was like, yeah, extra work's fine, but it's not acting, you know? Like, there's no there's no clear-cut way to go from an extra to the guy reading the lines. And the more kind of looking into it I did, now again, I remember this is before the internet, the more looking into it I did, the more I was reading about these unions, SAG, AFTRA, there's a couple different unions at the time. Now there's they're kind of all blended. Um, but at the time there was a union for film acting, there was a union for television acting, there was a union for commercial acting, there was a union for theater, like live theater. And in order to even be considered for a role in any movie, TV show, commercial, whatever, that was under these union guidelines, you had to be in the union, right? That was kind of the, the like, you you're a real actor if you're in the union because that way you can audition for stuff. Right. The only way to get into the union was to get a part in one of these things. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah, how, how do you get a part if you're not in the union? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, and nobody that I talked to knew the answer and no book that I read gave the answer. They were sort of alluded to ways you could get in, but nobody actually fucking told me. And I was like, what the fuck? And I remember reading this book. It was like an unauthorized biography of Brad Pitt or something like that, which is hilarious to think about that coming out in 1995. Yeah. But one of the things they talked about is is him trying to get into the union and trying to figure out how to get into SAG so he could start auditioning for actual roles. And then it just moved to the next chapter. Didn't explain how he... I was like, what the fuck? fuck man it was so irritating now obviously right now if you got off talking to me and you pulled your phone out and typed in how do i get into sag your phone would just fucking you didn't even have you could just say siri how do i get into sag and she'd probably fucking tell you (laughs) right i i I was like how the fuck do people do this other than knowing somebody who's in the who can like tell you the how they did it right i was just like i don't get it it was so it was so confusing to me Part of this extra casting agency that we joined was we got a free seminar with this woman who does casting and has acting classes and shit. And honestly, it was basically just a big commercial for her. Like, hey, come pay extra money and I'll teach you this and this and this. Sure. But but we got like a two hour kind of a 
she stood in front of a class of people, it's probably like I don't know, 30 or 40 people like us who had joined this casting agency and probably other similar types of things. And we got like a ticket to this seminar. And I actually still have the brochure for the seminar, which is hilarious to me. It's so awesome. it's like a fucking photocopied piece of paper with information on it. And I'll, I'll see if I can like figure out a way to scan it and put it up on the internet. But uh, I can't remember her last name. Her, her first name was Christine. But, uh, one of the things, the seminar was fine. It was like she talked about how if you're really serious about doing this, you need to make sacrifices, and that means not eating out dinner. And literally, she said the only thing you should be spending your money on is acting classes and seeing movies and nothing else because you're going to be broke, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I honestly got a lot out of it. It's like, okay, she's not lying to us. You know, she's like telling us really how it's going to be. But the thing that blew my mind is she had a whole section on the unions. And I was like, oh, this is it. I, was, I couldn't wait. Is. When I realized she was going to fucking tell me all the secrets. Now, I don't know if any of these are still 100% valid because things have changed. SAG and AFTRA became one union at some point. So the TV and film unions joined to become SAG-AFTRA. Um, so some of the like rules and shit may have changed. I really haven't looked into it because it's not uh, an avenue I... I think if I ever do end up in one of these unions, it won't be because I did this or that. It'll just be the way I made my own movie and then eventually that movie got bought or something and then suddenly I found myself in a position. But the way at the time it worked was you could get into the union by being what's called Taft Hartlead, which basically meant somebody who's casting or hiring on the movie wants you in the role even though you're not in the union and they vouch for you and essentially say you are going to be in the union by the time A or B happens. So what it means is they can basically get you in the movie without being in the union, and you just have to join the union as soon as you're able to. And at the time, it costs like $1,300 to join SAG and like, you know, 1100 to join AFTRA or something like that. It, was, it wasn't it was free. It was definitely pricey at that point for, for people like me. So but, it was mainly, mainly paying for it. It wasn't yeah. like... Okay, so you didn't have to, like, jump through a fucking hoop. All you had to do was get somebody who was casting a movie to want you in their movie. Now, that's obviously not the kind of thing that happens easily. For instance, yeah, maybe you're David Boreanaz and you're walking your dog in the park and somebody sees you with your shirt off and is like, fuck, you're good looking. I want you in my TV show. But if they do do that, they can get you in their TV show. And once you've got a role, technically you've been hired you then qualify to join the union and you just pay your union dues and you get in the union, right? Okay, yeah. But that's like the Hollywood magic way, right? That's the the dream. You come to Hollywood and you get discovered, right? Yeah. The realistic way, and this is the way I was like, ooh, if I'm going to do this, this is how I'm going to do it, is what's called, I can't remember what the name was, but you basically are getting union vouchers. The way that you do that is every movie, TV show that's union that, that has is following union guidelines, so anything that films in L.A., basically, and most places, but definitely L.A., they have to hire a certain amount of union extras before they can hire non-union extras. Union extras make, I don't know, three or four times as much as non-union extras. Okay. So just to kind of get, throw some numbers at you, let's say you're filming a movie, and you have to have, let's say... 40% of your extras have to be union before you can hire the last 60% at non-union prices, right? So obviously they want you to hire union extras because they're more they're they're 
paying union dues, those extras, and they're in the union, they're in SAG or whatever. But once you hit that quota, then you can hire all the non-unit extras you want and pay them fucking minimum wage, basically, to show up. Here's the thing. This is the trick. Let's say you're filming your TV show, your movie, for three or four days in a row. And day one, you have full quota of union extras and then just your smattering of non-union extras that's normal. Day two, three or four of those union extras don't show up because they got better jobs or they had something happen where they couldn't show up. So now you need three more union extras to fill your quota. The quickest way to do that is just to like upgrade non-union extras to union for the day. They give you a union voucher and you're basically union for that day. If you get three of those union vouchers within like a year, you qualify to join the union. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, it's the fucking back door. <laughs> this is why they don't tell you because there is a secret back door in. The extras union, though, specifically. Once you're in, no, because once you're in SAG, even if you're just an extra, you're in SAG. Okay. Then that means as a, as a union extra, you're also able to audition for union roles. Now... Forget the fact that most real auditions, let's say David Fincher is doing a movie and he starts auditioning people for his movie. He's not like finding his, the people he's auditioning. A casting agency is talking to agents and those agents are sending like Brad Pitt's information. Now, obviously Brad Pitt's so well known and Brad Pitt just says, Hey, I want to be in your movie and he's in your movie, but somebody less well known, but just as established, they're the ones getting those so basically in order to get those auditions you need an agent you probably need a manager there's a lot of steps before you get in the door with a real like a real audition but there's tens of thousands of people out here doing this process they all have their agent the agent sends them out a couple times a week on auditions they're all reading for the same fucking parts one of them gets that part blah 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 it's endless and then they do that for 10 years and and at the end of that 10 years sometimes they've made a career sometimes they are nowhere and they want to kill themselves <sighs> sometimes they're just happy to tell people they're they're an actor in LA and they don't really care they're not actually working yeah. it's 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 backbreaking horrible soul crushing stuff but at the time i was like fuck there is a back way in and once you're in the union you can sell yourself. It makes you a little more appealing to a manager or an agent because they don't have to get you in the, you're in the union, you know, like that's one step closer. There's a million steps and you can come at it from a million different angles. At the time I was very naive, I would say, but appropriately naive, you know? Um, but I just remember being like, I finally understood how it worked and it was awesome. That feeling of, I have the knowledge and to get the knowledge, I had to move to L.A., <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Um, just thinking back on it makes me laugh. But, yeah. And, uh, no, I never got into SAG. I never got my vouchers. I actually, through, like, working and, and living in L.A. and my various jobs, and it's not, this isn't going to be a spoiler for, for jobs, but I did know people who got into the union both using vouchers like that and also being Taft Hartlead. I actually... I worked with a guy who, um, no, no, yeah, it's, oh, fuck. So the next extra job I do, which we'll talk about in a future episode, but a guy that was on that had just gotten into the union, and we we were all talking, we were all chit-chatting. By this point, I was less shy, but we were all chit-chatting, and he fucking, he was on a, in a Sandra Bullock movie, and he was just a, an extra, a waiter, 
and he was like one of four or five waiters and one of the people in production came up to the group of waiters and said hey which one of you guys is the best waiter and he's like i am he just like put his hand up like what's me like i don't know (laughs) and the guy's like all right come with me went with him apparently the one the one waiter that had a line like you know something like you know what are you guys having tonight something like that got sick or didn't show up and they needed somebody to play that part so they they just picked one of the extra waiters they had there the to, best ones yeah the best one to step in and do the line so he had a line in this i don't remember what movie it was it might have been uh i think it was a movie called 28 days 28 not the days zombie later. movie no that's the no. zombie movie <laughs> uh the, yeah it's like when she's uh she's like alcoholic. alcoholic yeah and she's in like aa with vigo mortensen and alan tudyke plays a german yeah. But uh, yeah, so you do know the movie. I think it was that movie. But he he had one line in the movie, and he got Taft Hartley into the union because he had one line, and so that made him eligible to join SAC. And at that point, he had had his two union vouchers. He was like trying to get his third voucher, and then he just got Taft Hartley. Boom, like that. So that kind of shit did happen. I'm sure it still happens. Some version of that. Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, there's like a weird kind of. I don't know. There's like a secret little like underside of this whole thing that you don't really know. Unless There's you different look into ways it. to work it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, even the way that's probably the most like this is the kind of thing that I see. Like you make your own movie, you get into festivals, it does okay. You make another movie, you get into a festival or two, it does okay. You do a third movie, that one gets into a better festival. For some reason, that one picks up. Some company a smaller company decides to buy that movie and the next thing you know an agent is like interested in you because you've sold a movie that you were a in b wrote c directed whatever and next thing you know that agent's like trying to get you work and then if you're not in the unit at that point it's very easy for you to like do what you need to do to get in you know right because you're now in the no you're now in the yes club it's just about getting in the yes club you know but like i said there's people who've been out here 10 15 years trying to get in the yes club and they're not in it and you know, like I, I really genuinely believe that if you want to be a working actor and you do what you need to do, you can get yourself into that position. You're, you may never be a star or you may never be the man, but I know enough people who are working actors to know that if you're doing it long enough, you're making the right choices in terms of, okay, I can either spend this whole week going out every night trying to get laid at bars, or I can be like auditioning, learning lines, trying to get better, going to class, writing my own screenplay, you know, blah, 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 all the, all the right things. Eventually, if you're doing it long enough, some opportunities will open up. And like I said, you can you can become a working actor. It's just you're, you're maybe not going to be making more than, you know, 50 or $60,000 a year doing it, which shit, it's, you know, it's not m- much more or less than I'm making doing what I'm doing. So well, it'd be awesome to be doing it. Huh? Yeah. And you call you call yourself a working actor. I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's there's yep. not a whole lot of glam. It's you know you're not you're not fucking Brad Pitt. Nobody is Brad Pitt except for Brad Pitt. You know, when Brad Pitt moved out here, the legend is that he got a job working at El Pollo Loco, which is like a, a fast food taco restaurant out here, as the guy in the chicken suit dancing around outside to try to get people in. So he was the guy in the chicken suit. And he was living in an apartment with like a bunch of other dudes all sleeping in a different corner of the living room, paying like 150 bucks a, a month in rent, you know, and just acting classes and trying to get auditions and trying to, you know, figure it out. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? You got your Brad Pitt making those choices. And then you got people like I 
as I, and we'll get into it more in other episodes, but as I lived in LA longer and I met more and more people who were trying to be actors, trying to be writers, directors, and I wouldn't see them do anything, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't even have written anything. Like I talked to a guy about a screenplay he wrote and it turned out eventually that it was like an idea he wrote on a napkin. You know, because I was like trying to get people to read my screenplay. And at the time I had, you know, not at this point, I was in the middle of writing my what would never become my first screenplay because my first screenplay started later. (laughs) But I was in the I was trying to get people to read it so I could get feedback, you know, like, tell me what's good, what's bad, blah, blah. blah. And I was like, oh, we could I could trade with people, other people out here writing screen. We can trade scripts and read them. And people who were super interested just chatting. When I actually pulled a script out, like, hey, here, here's my script. Read it. Tell me what you think. Where's yours? They'd have fucking a million excuses why they didn't have one or, you know, they had told me before that they were, they had a script and it turned out they were just like thinking about writing a script, you know? I ran into that so many fucking times. I was like, God damn it. If you just put your mind to it. Now, I didn't put my mind to it. I did things, you know, I did more than some people, but then I spent a lot of time not doing shit, you know, spent a lot of time playing fucking video games or whatever. So yeah, I'm not the, I'm not the example of like how you do it right, but I do know how you do it right. (laughs) I've seen the wrong ways, certainly. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that's probably relevant beyond that, uh, re- relating to this job is years later when I got TiVo. Um, oh, I, TiVo. I, oh, TiVo, I love you. Uh, our audience doesn't know that but for a period of time I had a love affair with TiVo. <laughs> so in, I think maybe 2002, I got a TiVo unit and started fucking around. And I don't know how I, I didn't look it up. I just found it. Seduced by Madness was going to be on a rerun. Now, I had seen it before. It came out maybe a year and a half after we filmed it, and it was on, like, primetime TV. It was a two-night wow, special. Long? Yeah, it was probably, like, so we filmed it, 95. It probably came out maybe a year, maybe a year later. Okay. I, I know where I was living at the time, and it was where I lived after this period, so it was definitely, like, at least a year, maybe a year and a half in that vicinity, but... That's actually not that big a deal. There's movies that get filmed and then come out like four or five years later. Okay, That's yeah. why when you see like Tommy Lee Jones has four movies this out this year and you're like, what the fuck? That's because he filmed them over the course of the last five years. And for various re- reasons, they just got pushed and pushed and kind of moved around. And then they all come out the same year. Yeah, it used to blow my mind. Like, how's, how's fucking Tommy Lee Jones in four movies this year? Didn't make any sense to me. Right. Anyway. So, yeah, I, I caught it on TV maybe a year after we filmed it and we all were like oh my god there we are it's kind of funny like like you know bizarre and then fast forward seven years and i'm flipping through the tivo menu and i see seduce my man it's like oh fucking recording that so i recorded it and i didn't watch the whole thing i just fast forwarded but i remember just being completely like like what the fuck seeing myself like talking to my ex-girlfriend who i hadn't talked to in seven years like on TV in the background of this this movie, I was like, "Wow, this is a very bizarre world I find myself in right now." Right. Like, just picture you're watching TV and you just see yourself in the background talking to an ex girlfriend you haven't thought about in years. That kind of thing. It's like, what the fuck? It's wild. There I am when I was 19, and I had a similar experience the other night when I looked that movie up and saw it on YouTube, and I found that scene, and I was like, "I'm blurry, but that's me." <laughs> <laughs> that's me when I'm 19 and 
god damn it's like 25 years ago or something it's crazy so long ago I think Anne Margaret's still alive miraculously she's gotta be in her 70s or 80s now I think she's probably in her 70s then (laughs) alright so what do you give this on the PP scale oh boy um probably a 9 8 or 9 yeah. Other than having a headache, you know, it's it, it was easy. It took no effort. It was fun to see how movies are made, you know, see the background shit, sort of be a part of it. Um, there's people who are professional ex- extras. This is their job five days a week. They just keep going from set to set to set, and they make their money doing that. And if you're a union extra, you can make a normal living wage. I mean, you're not going to be rich, but you can afford rent in an apartment. You know what I mean? Right, right. So there's people who do this as their job. I don't know. I don't know if I could do that for very long. You know, I think maybe a year or two of that. And I would start to feel like I either have to get closer to the, the camera or I have to get the fuck off of this set. You know, I don't, I don't know that I could be that close to the action and not really participate in it. But, you know, it's better than fucking breaking bricks. You know, it's better than digging holes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say probably an eight or a nine. It's it's definitely, I mean, technically I probably would do it for free. At, least at that time, I probably would have. If you said, hey, you want to be in a movie? Right? Um, I don't know. It's called murder sex. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, we'll talk about it uh, on another episode, but I did have an extra job that involved audience participation. Basically just being an audience member, clapping and shit. Yeah. And that I would not do for free. Yeah. <laughs> that was brutal. And I will tell you about it when I talk about it, but not this time. So, yeah, that was Seduced by Madness, my first foray into doing extra work. On the next episode, we're going to be talking about Walden Books. Which, even more exciting. Yeah, it's going to be even more exciting. It actually probably will be more exciting only because of some of the specifics of it. But yeah. It's definitely not something I would do for free. We'll talk (laughs) about that next time. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Tip to Tip uh, with Lou and Chris, and I hope you'll join us next time. See you guys soon. Bye. Oh, Devo, I fucking love you so much. You got such a nice, warm chassis. (laughs) (laughs) I love your chassis.